15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but we got to let the stream breathe just for a second here as we bring on our Facebook community and make sure the whole MHH fam damly is together. And it looks like we're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, you and I were running a little bit late today, but we showed up just in the nick of time to talk some Broncos, drop some knowledge. It was kind of an interesting day at Broncos HQ. Some interesting comments from Pat Shermer, some things to go over in terms of what uh, Tom McMahon had to say, what Vic Fangio said. But the biggest story out of uh, Dove Valley today is the fact that the Broncos do not expect Brandon McManus to play on Saturday. It's going to be Taylor Russolino. Your thoughts? Well, at least they won't miss extra points this week. That was the first thought I had. And and obviously, you know, all jokes aside, it hurts the Broncos because McManus as a field goal kicker is an elite guy. He's a top five kicker in the NFL. And points could be paramount, Chad, against this Buffalo team. You never know. It could be a defensive struggle. It could be a lower scoring game where a field goal decides it. Not having McManus, there's no positive way to spin this. It's a bad thing for Denver. It's unfortunate, but hashtag 2020. What can go wrong has. One of the most interesting anecdotes to come out of the press availability today at Dove Valley was how Taylor Russolino ended up on the Broncos radar. Now, I happen to be a huge fan of Pat McAfee, all right, dating back to his time as a punter in the league with the Colts. And then just, you know, I like I like his uh, – I mean, I'm not big on his podcast. I don't listen to that kind of stuff. But <clears throat> I'm huge on his calling of games, right? And his game that he called against uh, – it was uh, Green Bay, Detroit last year in which Matt Prater had his touchdown throw. It's one of the most legendary play-by-play color co- uh, commentary calls in modern history and turns out that as he was calling McAfee a an XFL game, he caught the, or I should say Russolini caught his attention because he could combo kick, meaning he can kick and he can punt. And he called up McMahon was like, Hey, did you got to check out this Russolino guy from the XFL? And when the Broncos decided, Hey, we need that emergency Armageddon option at kicker. They, they brought him in and here we are. Hashtag for the brand. Thank you, Pat McAfee. I mean, it's, then again, though, didn't McAfee recommend Tom McMahon? So, I mean, <laughs> it's he like give, it and, give it and take it. I, I understand. Hopefully, Russellino, listen, Chad, you never know. It's, it's always good to have another special teams weapon. It's always good to have another backup punter in case Sam Martin goes down or whatever. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll see what he can do. Hopefully, in a best-case scenario, they don't use him at all. Nothing but touchdowns on Saturday. Tom McMahon, for what it's worth – was Pat McAfee's you know, position coach, special teams coordinator in, in Indianapolis for much of his career. 
But, you know, I was always a big fan of McAfee in Indy just because of some of his antics. You know, he was just uh, in some of the ways that Brandon McManus is, is a bit of a character. And we talked about this on last night's show, kind of a little uppity at times and kind of, I don't know, Very- maybe, it's, maybe it's because he's the, the, the team's player rep with the NFLPA. I don't know. But McAfee were, was similar, but not, but but without the pretension, right? Without feeling like you know he's he's the bee's knees. He was just, you know, um, I don't know. He was just a fun guy to watch, and the NFL was less when he decided to leave it. But Taylor Russellino coming at you, and I want to read to you real quick, Zach, what McMahon had to say, and for this for the sake of everyone listening, on whether or not this is going to be an issue in terms of changing the mindset game plan like you know let's say you're at a, a fourth and eight from the uh, 32 yard line do you bring in uh, bring him in to attempt right. one from 50 plus or do you just go for it because you don't trust him here's what he said quote to be honest with you it can't change your mindset you have to take the strengths of the player that's going into the game to kick for you or punt or snap you have to develop a game plan around that player and don't ask him to do things he can't do he's not brandon mcmanus and brandon is not him that's what we've done with Taylor, and we feel good about it, close quote. So, Zach, they're not planning on really amending anything in terms of whatever situations the game might throw at them. So they say now. You know, things could change on Saturday, but also keep in mind this game's in Denver, and the air, balls travel further there. So maybe if you give him a shot, if he has a strong enough leg, hits it the right way, he can make those. It shouldn't change too much, but I think psychologically, when you get down to the 35 to 38, uh, Vic Fangio knows, for the most part, those points are in the bag. And you wouldn't have that same mentality with Russellino on Saturday. So psychologically, it could be a little downturn for the special teams, for the Broncos offense. But if they play good ball with Drew Locke and they play good defense, the kicking game might not even matter, Chad. Indeed. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, the Broncos now, in the span of two or three weeks' time, are facing have faced now quarterback Armageddon, being, being forced in that case anyway, to play an entire regular season game without a quarterback – and now kicker Armageddon, but at least in this case, Zach, they had the foresight to make a preemptive decision when they still had the time to do so to bring Russellino in in the event something happened. And sure enough, it did. Brandon McManus had close contact exposure to someone who was infected outside the building. And what that mandates is that he has to go five days of testing negative before he can be let back into the building and being around his teammates. But what we learned today, Zach, is that from Fangio, because, you know, when this was all made, uh, when this hit the news, it was because Brandon McManus himself tweeted on Monday that he was going on to the reserve list uh, for close contact. But then in that same tweet, he said, I plan on playing on Saturday. But what we learned today is that the NFL apparently is not seeing eye to eye with Brandon McManus in terms of when does the time that you start counting those five days, when does that start? McManus thought it should start that day, Monday. You know, so you got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You wake up. If you test negative, you're good to go. Sounds like the NFL saying, no, 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 starts Tuesday. So mm-hmm. that's the reason why, you know, went from, hey, it's, he's probably going to be able to play so long as he doesn't test negative to Fangio revealing today, no dice. Yeah, if this game was on a Sunday, he would have kicked. And that's the unfortunate thing that this one game happens to fall on a Saturday. But I'm thinking right now, what if Russellino gets hurt? Is it Kendall Hinton playing kicker? against the Bills. It's interesting, you know, Sam Martin. 
I know. It's really, really interesting. I mean, this season has just thrown so many unique curveballs exactly. at all NFL teams, but it's, the Broncos just seem to have been specially blessed by the, uh, you know, the virus, <laughs> guys, I guess. So I guess, yeah, I mean, that's charge it to the game. It is what it is. But, guys, tonight is our favorite podcast of the week. And, Zach, I don't know if you want to, if you got time before we grab to uh, get to the read, but I think it's your turn for sports betting. Yeah, I can do it. Before we get to that, we just want to remind everybody here, it's our favorite podcast of the week. It's the Mile High Mailbag, where we get a chance to see what's on your mind because we are your football priests, and each and every week, Zach and I are here to offer you the absolution and the answers to your burning Broncos questions and we're going to get to that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I see already quite a few comments, quite a few questions. A lot of the uh, studs and superstars and, and cornerstone members of our community already in the stream. I see some super chats have, have stacked up. We're going to get to that. But first, we got to take care of some quick matters of business, starting with the – oh, I got to pull this up. Hold on a sec. Starting with the, the sponsor of tonight's live stream, Zach, sportsbetting.com. Yes, Broncos country, as you well know by now, tonight's live stream podcast is brought to you exclusively by sportsbetting.com. Listen up, Broncos country. Gambling is now legal in the state of Colorado, and here's what makes sportsbetting.com a no-brainer for sports fans just like yourselves. Sharp odds and low juice. They have in-house bookmakers. They're not a third-party provider. They have reduced juice and the best prices you will find anywhere out there, anywhere on the internet. It's sportsbetting.com. Hassle-free bonuses also. One-time rollover. That's a really big deal because it means the bonus money is yours after you bet on it one time, whereas other sites range from 5 to 30 times before you keep that uh, rollover money. Big difference. 24-7 live customer support. When you contact sportsbetting.com, you are always getting a real live human being in the good old U.S. of A. Never someone overseas, never a robot, always a real live human being. But here's the kicker, guys. At sportsbetting.com, you get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. And not just one bet, but all of your bets. Play for a week, and if your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of the difference up to $1,000 with a one-time rollover. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. Amen. All right, a couple quick things, then I promise you we're going right back to the stream. Gang, make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at HuddleUpPod and the main account at Mile High Huddle. My partner, Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen, the producer at John K MHH. Zach, I don't know if you noticed this, but last night, man, th- these calls to action to, you know, all our great listeners on YouTube and Apple and all the different li- uh, listening platforms. It was like a, I don't know, an avalanche of, of people reaching out, connecting with us on Twitter that are, Everyday listeners, yeah. many of them superstars, saying, hey, I'm on Twitter now, or here's my account, and connecting. Yeah. And it's fun to be able to do that because, of course, social media is where we're you know, we're only with you like this one-on-one, dealing with you for an hour, right, each and every day. But Twitter and milehighhuddle.com at the website, that's where we can keep these conversations uh, going. So connect with us there. Also, gentle reminder to check out the merch store, huddleuppod.com, and get your swag on. Get a trucker hat, MHH trucker hat. Get a... Football preset, like you see Zach Rock in there. Hoodies, face masks, uh, mugs, a little something for everybody. A couple of the designs that are on the merch store designed by the superstars in this community. So it's just another way to support what we're doing here if you're of a mind to do that. And also, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. 
become a, a supporter. If you'd like to, if you're amongst our 91,000 and strong and growing community there on Facebook, and you want to take your support to another level of MHH, become a supporter. Big blue button. You go to our page. Big blue button says become a supporter. Uh, you've heard us mention it a few times this week. We have huge plans that we're going to be unveiling starting in January, specifically for our Facebook supporters. It's going to involve me. It's going to involve Zach. It's going to involve Kim Becker and a few of the other podcast hosts. And, and it's just a little something extra for those of us, for, for those of our community that support us on Facebook. And if you're not in a position to do those things, it's all good. Again, we're stoked to have you in the stream each and every day, or if you're listening after the fact as a pod, but we do ask that you do these three things. Number one, subscribe. Number two, like this video, especially key on YouTube and Facebook. And then number three is the litmus test. Share it out there. If we're doing a good job for you, the way Zach and I can see that, measure that, know that is whether or not you're sharing these podcast episodes out on your social media to help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer includes classic Dunkin' Refreshers. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Man, it feels nice to celebrate a Broncos win. And what better way to do that than with Coors Hard Seltzer? Because this is not your average seltzer, gang. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability is a brand inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers Never before has it been so easy to make a difference, make an impact, be an activist, and never before has it been so enjoyable. Coors Hard Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering. Our waterways, gang, are at risk. 80% of America's rivers, they're drying up. But through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer, here's how it works, restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. And the results, 1 billion gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River. And that's just year one. You get four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, or my favorite, grapefruit. And the specs are in, gang. Coors Hard Seltzer is 4.5% ABV, and Zach, it's only 90 calories. Man, Chad, I am hyped. After a big quality Broncos victory, I'm celebrating with my Coors Hard Seltzer. I got my mango flavor. It's my personal favorite. Combining football and Coors Seltzer is the way to go for any football fan, Chad. So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. 
It's really that simple. So visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. I don't want to forget this. It's been on my mind all day long. But we got to wish Jeff Miller, one of our great listeners, a happy birthday. Let me tell you, Jeff, happy birthday, my friend. You have a great sister. Cares a lot about you, my friend. Let me tell you, you're a very lucky man to have that sister of yours. And uh, so, yeah, happy birthday to a fellow Sagittarius. My birthday is December 11th. Your birthday, December 17th. So happy birthday to you, my friend. I hope you are blessed with a Broncos win on Saturday to really commemorate this birthday and just, you know, send you off into the next year in style. Love the neck gator too. Look at that, Chad. Like a true boss right there. We love you, Jeff. Thank you so, so much. Have a great birthday. Happy holidays and a blessful new year. Thank you for your support. All right, buddy. Let's, uh, John, what do we have? I, I saw, I don't want any of, our, any of our superstars to wait too long. Christian, jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Bonafide superstar. He says, this lifeguard in Las Vegas, do you think Caleb Farley should be our top target in next year's draft? I think the quartet of Farley, OJ Mudia, Callahan, and Bosby is a great one, if you ask me. Zach, I'm not sure what his stock is looking like right this moment, but I, I'm not sure the Broncos are going to be within striking distance to land Farley. What do you think? Well, it depends where they finish. Obviously, if it's a top seven pick, they'll be in his range. But if they're, you know, 12 or 13, might be out of it. There's also Patrick Sertan, the second. I, I, there's some cornerbacks in this draft. But if they are going in that direction, which I think they should, it's either cornerback or offensive line to me. Maybe inside linebacker if Micah Parsons falls. But in the first round, that premium pick, it has to be cornerback. Callahan, to answer the question, is no guarantee. I love the guy. He was great this year, but that foot is a perpetual problem for him. Uh, A.J. Boye is probably gone. Devontae Bosby is always in and out of the coaching staff's doghouse. They have to have a cornerback, and I would love a blue-chip guy. So, yes, if Caleb Farley is there and they don't want to tackle or another lineman or an inside linebacker, he should be the pick. Yeah, it's got to be. You know, this is operating on the assumption that Hey, you know, we've seen enough from Drew to feel confident going right. into 2021 right. that we can continue, that we're on the right track and we're building around our guy. And I think there's, even if they, you know, even if these last three games, Zach, are Drew Locke kind of going back to what we've seen throughout most of this season, which is, you know, inconsistencies and then flashes of brilliance and then inconsistencies, even if that's kind of how he closes out the year, which I don't think because he's he's been on a trend of improvement dating back to the Miami game. But if that is how he, he closes out this season, I still think the Broncos are inclined to to view him that way and go into 2021 with him as the understood starter. Doesn't mean they don't tinker with the quarterback position and bring in some veteran depth, but if that's the case, you got to do something. I mean, this is about cornerback because this is an absolute DEFCON level, you know, whatever problem for these Denver Broncos. Bosby, you know, I think he's going to really earn himself some money in these final four games in which he's going to be the the real number one corner in Denver. But then you got – OJ Moody, Callahan, I guess you get Bassey back next year, but you just mm. need some, some quality depth. This is the time where, you know, they've really invested offensively in their premium picks the last few years. Now it's time to flip that pendulum back to the defensive side. 
and think about it. They have to pay Justin Simmons this offseason, so they can't go out and sign a, a high-priced veteran cornerback. They're going to have to have some depth in that back end, and what better way than to draft a blue-chip cornerback? I'm fully with you. Boring Locke falling on his face and looking like he did against the Raiders for three more consecutive games, they will uh, take a quarterback, I think, in the, in the later round, second, third, fourth round, if they even go that route. The first pick, the first-round pick, it's got to be a cornerback or a tackle. I think it has to. Those are the two choices. Zach, just a moment ago, you brought up Justin Simmons. And I wanted to pick your brain on this because I know you had an article today at milehighhuddle.com, and I suggest everybody go check it out. Justin Simmons makes case to sign long-term deal with the Broncos. Now, of course, because he was named the uh, Darren Williams Good Guy Award winner this year, which makes him the only three-time winner of the award. He had a little press availability and uh, some interesting, you know, nuggets, some remarks came out of that. But what's what did he say in terms of making that case to stick with Denver long term? Well, he didn't outright say, I want to sign a contract extension, but he said, I would love to be here beyond the season. I mean, he said it would be awesome, and it's it's a it's a real goal of his because, like he mentioned, the Broncos took a chance on him. He, he was a third-round pick. He wasn't a blue-chip prospect. He earned his starting role in Denver and blossomed into, under the coaching, the current coaching administration, uh, an elite safety in the NFL. And he also says, in the last bit of that paragraph there, he mentions that Broncos were this close to where Broncos country thinks we should be and wants us to be. Justin Simmons realizes the tide is turning, and it might not feel that way, but it is. And they are this close to getting back into relevancy, getting back into the playoffs, and he wants to be a part of that for the long haul. Obviously, he wants to be paid. He wants financial security, but he's earned that. More than that, though, he loves the Broncos. He loves Denver. He loves his teammates. He's an all-pro on and off the field, Chad. Point blank. Here's where it gets dicey, and I agree. But here's where it gets dicey, This, this paragraph you have here. Simmons has, I'm quoting Zach here, Simmons has an estimated market value of $14.6 million annually per SpotTrack.com. Projected, he is projected to sign a five-year, $73.1 million deal as a free agent, which would make him the league's second highest paid safety behind Washington's Landon Collins. So, you know, you got one, you know, uh, you got one situation tied up unresolved with Garrett Bowles. All right, you got that. That's done. Do you think he's going to garner that money, though, Zach, considering that you got Shelby? But then again, if the Broncos say, you know what, we're moving on from Jarrell Casey, that was a failed experiment. Maybe even we're moving on from A.J. Bouye. Suddenly you're freeing up north of $22 million. And maybe Kareem Jackson as well. And like I mentioned, those three moves would clear about $36 million in pure salary cap space. Would I cut Simmons a check for $15 million annually? Uh, that's a little too pricey, Chad. But 13.5 versus 14 or, or 14 versus 14.5, I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt. He's His play has rebounded this year. I was down on him, as were you. Um, he's an elite safety. He'll get paid as one. That the uh, estimation, though, was for total money. And Landon Collins got 80, what, $84 million in total money. He's not the highest paid safety annually. I think he'll get around 14 14.5. You have to meet market value. And the Broncos, like they did with Garrett Bowles, they're going to reward him for what he's done in Denver and what he will do in Denver going forward. Yeah, and this ties into something Charlie asked about who should we pay? Lindsey Simmons, Shelby, uh, Jake Butt. So Lindsey, but. Jake Butt. <laughs> Why is he on that list? Lindsey, Jake Butt, and Tim Patrick are the notable restricted free agents going into 2021. And I think it's fair fair to assume Lindsey and Patrick are going to get that tender, whatever, you know, 
probably a second round tender, I'm guessing. But I'm curious to see how the team views him because he's been activated off injured reserve to practice. That's the first stage. When they go on IR, then they have to be activated to practice. And then they have a little window of time in which the team has to then make the decision based on how they're looking to activate him to the active roster. If they don't activate him back to the to the 53 with some point during these final three games, I think that tells you everything you need to know about his future in Denver. But if they do bring him back onto the roster, maybe they would, maybe they don't tag him as an RFA, but they say, hey, you know, we'll come back on a veteran minimum two-year deal. We, we put in this much time and effort, you know, uh, long-suffering, massaging you through all these injuries. Hopefully, maybe we can get a payoff at some point. It's just that one of these things is not like the other. You have a former Pro Bowl running back. You have a top three safety. You have a clutch, you know, starting caliber defensive end. Uh, then you have Jake Butt. And it's like, no, I mean, this guy, he's shown what he is. And it's unfortunate because the Broncos got him uh, as a seal in 2017. He just cannot shake those injuries. And like I predicted back in April and May and January and every month since then, it was never going to be. His reclamation project was never going to take place, at least in Denver. you got to move on from him. I would not tender him at all. That ship has passed. But, yes, I am hashtag paying Shelby. I am paying Justin Simmons, certainly. My heart wants Lindsay to get paid, my brain says Elway won't do it. That's where I waffle on that last uh, player. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Lawrence Rivera with a super chat. We really appreciate you, my friend. Good to see you back in the stream again. That's a couple nights in a row, and, and Zach and I really appreciate that. Yes. My friend, he says, we should get Destroyer from my post earlier. I, I'm sorry, Lawrence. I'm not sure who or what Destroyer is and what post you're referring to, maybe on Facebook. If it was on Facebook, I might have missed it. I was. I haven't spent much time today on Facebook. Do you? Can you decipher, Zach? Destroyer? No. <laughs> I'm at a loss. Call her back. Lawrence, let us know what you mean more in the in the stream. John will keep an eye out. Meanwhile, Bobby in the house, the princess of MHH, from the top rope, as she is wont to do. We just appreciate you so much. And, you know, I don't want to share too, too much, uh, you know, details, but this is just a, a member of this community that goes above and beyond, not just for the channel and for the, the podcast for Zach and I and John MHH. But I mean, just like to the, to the community itself, you know, she's a very uh, conscientious, caring, empathetic person. And uh, she's, it's just been great getting to know you Poppy over these last, I guess it's been about, I don't know, six, seven months now that poppy has been officially in our orbit. So we appreciate you. Let's read this. She said, just want to say hello to everyone. I'm at work. Can't stay. Have a wonderful evening. Broncos country. So thank yeah, you, thank you, Bobby. Have a great day. Great evening. Great job at work. Appreciate you. Uh, Isaiah always brings good questions on Facebook. Maybe you guys know something I don't. 
Why is Elijah Wilkinson starting instead of Dotson, who hasn't relinquished a sack all season? And by the way, shout out to you, Isaiah, because you know we we don't do we don't spend too much time plugging the whole you know promoting the whole stars thing on Facebook. But those of you who are in our live audience on Facebook, there is a thing similar to Super Chat for Facebook, and that's called Stars. Isaiah is one of our Facebook uh, community members that very often sends us stars during our live streams and just supporting what we do here. So great question. Zach, what's your answer? You had the story covering this yesterday. Maybe you can kind of re- recapitulate what Fangio said on this topic, but what's your answer? Well, Isaiah, you've you've added me on Twitter about this question about 20 times, and I, I'm right there with you. I, it seems like a coach's decision because what Vic Fangio said was uh, Wilkinson could have started the week prior, but they held him out of that game. I really don't understand the disconnect between DeMar Dotson and the Broncos coaching staff. Whether it's Shermer or Mike Munchak or Vic Fangio, there's someone in that building who loves Wilkinson, or Wilkinson has pictures of someone in in that building, Chad. I I do not understand it. Uh, He's a liability. He'll always be a liability. And what more could you want from DeMar Dotson? To come in off the scrap heap, come in cold, a new team, a new playbook, and to not relinquish the stack and look like a revelation at right tackle. Isaiah, I don't have an answer. I wish I did. I do not get it. Well, it's like today for, you know, Pat Shermer was, he he did say a lot of, he talked about what Drew did well in that Carolina game and complimented him plenty, but he also picked one nit in Drew's game. And it was the fact that he allowed himself to be strip sacked. All right. He did have, even though he didn't throw a pick, he did have the one giveaway. But if you look at where that whole kind of source of that turnover came from, it was the right side of the offensive line. It was a miscue between Wilkinson and Muti, and Drew got destroyed on that play, and he fumbled. And what's ironic about that, Zach, is it was a miscommunication. The message, the talking points out of Dove Valley Sunday morning when we learned that it was going to be Wilkinson at right tackle, not Dotson, was that the reason for that being Dotson and or, uh, uh, Muti and Wilkinson had practiced together all week long as RG and RT, and they just kind of wanted to have that continuity instead of suddenly Mucci's got this, you know, chemistry with with Wilkinson in practice, and then now he's playing next to Dotson. Maybe they're not speaking the same language, which I would find hard to believe considering they're all sitting in the same O-line room with Mike Munchak and Chris Cooper. Nevertheless, it blew up in their face in terms of, you know, they survived it and got the win and Drew had a big game, but it still blew up in their face, Zach, in that the one – potentially game-changing negative play was one that was allowed by Elijah Wilkinson. And Muti shared some complicity there too in the decision he made to pick up the guy that he did. And this was something Shermer talked about too. It was a 10-point swing in the game. So it's a woulda, shoulda, coulda. A clear case of a person, a, a bad personnel decision that you can only put on the coaches. Yeah, and you know what? Wouldn't you want a young player like uh, Muti to be feeding off a veteran, a true veteran like Demar Dotson, who's been here, who's done that, who's done great in Denver so far? Why would you fix what's not broken? That's what I don't understand. When you were talking, though, I kind of had a theory pop into my head. Maybe this coaching staff or this front office, they see what the work has been done with Garrett Bowles, and they want the same thing with Wilkinson. They want their two young edge guys uh, coached up and taken care of. They want those two positions set. Beyond that, I do not know why they love Elijah Wilkinson so much. As a backup guard, a swing guy, okay, I can understand it. But as a starter, no way, Chad. No way. There's only one word to describe this situation, all right, Isaiah? Inexplicable. Mm -hmm. It cannot be explained. 
at least not rationally. There's no logical explanation. The only thing I can divine is, as Zach said, it's on that same path of, look, you know, we went through the the left tackle desert developing our own guy in Garrett Bowles, and it ended up paying dividends. We stayed the course. We stuck with him. And maybe a similar ethos with regard to Wilkinson, but Zach, it's not like you're you're putting all your chips on this guy because he's the future. Right. You've got 51 million bucks right. tied up in Jawan James. He's a, in the contract year is Eli. Why are you even uh why are you even risking this? Why what's the issue? He's gonna be a free agent next year and he's probably gone because he's certainly, I think in, in at least in our estimation, he hasn't done enough to earn a second contract in Denver. But who knows, based on this these personnel decisions, maybe he's like MVP, according to Mike Munchett. I, I don't know, but it, I'm going to say this now, and we've already saw a glimpse of it in the, in the Panthers game, and we saw it, it happen in, in week two, unfortunately. With Wilkinson at right tackle, it is only a matter of time before Drew Locke gets injured or or suffers some sort of malady or he impacts the game in some negative way, keeping him out there with no help, especially against this Buffalo defense, Chad. The defenses they have to play, the Chargers, even the Raiders in the finale, Wilkinson one-on-one versus any edge rusher with Locke as the quarterback terrifies me. TS4 on YouTube wants to know, should Vaughn go? He has a $22 million option. No way that gets picked up. I beg to differ on the no way because no way is an absolute, right? And I just, I'm not a big believer in using absolutes to analyze the NFL because it can be very unpredictable. Now, let me put it this way, TS4. Do I expect the Broncos to bring Von Miller back some way, shape, or form in 2021? Yes. Do I expect the Denver Broncos to at least test the waters with Vaughn on, hey, man, we need to lower your cap number for 2021. How about we give you a short-term extension? We give you an additional two or three years on top of 2021 to you know, at least provide you the window where you could maybe retire in Denver at the end of it, retire as a Bronco, and you know, make money in 2022 as well, 2023, et cetera, and it lowers the cap number in 2021. I could see them approaching him about that, but I don't think there's any question. Vaughn's going to be back in 2021 is my prediction because the Broncos, Zach, this is it. This is the all-in year, John Elway's contract year, uh, ownership changes – are expected to come at some point during the calendar year of 2021. And this is really Elway's last stand. It's his last chance to have the whole band together, have everyone, you know, on task and working towards the same goal after a 2020 year in which there were so many just grievous, weird injuries and including to Vaughn. And potentially Locke's last chance to be the guy in Denver as a starting quarterback, the understood quarterback. Um, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think I don't think to say there's no way he's going to come back is a little much. He's already being paid that money. He's already under contract. And the Broncos have been paying Vaughn like a franchise quarterback for years now. So what's another year where they're not paying a franchise quarterback? That's the luxury of building with the young QB because he's for pennies until he signs his next deal. And Drew Locke right now is worth – his contract, what, a couple mil, maybe, for next season? That is nothing. So you can afford to pay Vaughn that money, even an injured Vaughn, an older Vaughn, because you're not paying a true franchise quarterback. So he will be back. I don't think he'll restructure if you have to hold a gun to my head, but he will be back next year. Beyond that, all bets are off. Richie Rich says, hashtag MHH is not just limited to Colorado, which is true, right? Hashtag state of being, baby. Talking about sportsbetting.com. And this is true. I mean, Broncos country and our our community is worldwide. It's a worldwide community. Phenomenon. If you, if you look at the analytics, probably 
you know, 90% of our listenership, 90 some odd percent of our traffic on the website, milehuddle.com is from the state of Colorado, but it's not limited to that is, is the point we make Richie Rich with the hashtag state of being the flute guy jumping in. We appreciate you, my friend. He's uh he or she, I'm sorry. I'm not sure of the correct pronoun, but been active here and there on super chat. We really appreciate your generosity and support. The flute guy games, I guess it is guy, right? Guy. <laughs> hey, Chad and Zach, do you think next year with OTAs and a full off season, do you think the Broncos have a chance to make a decent run, especially with Sutton and Miller coming back? Your thoughts, Zach? Well, what was our answer coming into this season? Yeah, we thought it would be the year of Locke, and we thought the Broncos would be a double-digit win team going back to the playoffs. So, yes, I mean, all things being equal, no injuries, no pandemic, uh, you know, Locke progressing as the quarterback, getting all the weapons back. Yes, with this defensive scheme and what Locke has shown capable of in this offense, they can be for sure a wild-card team next season and easily a 10-win team regardless of schedule. So I'm still very high on the Broncos' future prospects. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. It's planting season. That means it's the perfect time to add proven winner's roses to your yard. Colorful, long-blooming, and so simple to grow, look for award-winning proven winner's roses in the white containers at your local garden center. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. I am too. And I think you're, I think fans are going to have more of a solid feeling in their gut in term, uh, as far as what direction this team is headed by the way it closes out the year. Yeah, know, last sure. year, Locke came in week 13, ended up helping to lead the Broncos to a 4-1 finish because this team only had three wins. When Locke entered the equation in week 13, only three wins. And, you know, they go on to finish 7-9 and nine and everyone gets excited and and then, you know, no crystal ball could have foreseen the pandemic and the way that affected the NFL calendar and all that stuff. So this time around, if they finish similarly to last year with that momentum, you know, with with positivity and energy and, and excitement and enthusiasm inside and outside the building, provided they get a, a traditional calendar. And I don't think there's any reason to believe that they won't next year, even if, you know, lockdowns and stuff like that continue intermittently through parts of 2021. I think you're going to get that continuity coaching and that's going to make all the difference on top of getting these studs back in the, in the lineup. And those who don't believe Chad, let them hate, let them hate baby. Uh, Frank on Facebook. Thanks for the question, Frank. Thanks for being with us. He says, we need an inside backer who can cover a tight end really bad too. Yeah, I mean, if push came to shove, I would be very hard pressed, you know, in the first round, if you had a shot, like, let's just say in like the, you know, the, perfect Sophie's choice here. Let's say you had a shot at Farley or Micah Parsons in the first mm. round. You're the Denver Broncos. Mm. What do you do? God. I, knowing Fangio chat, he would not take the inside linebacker. So, you know, what we want to do versus what the Broncos would likely do is two different things. I got to think long and hard. I, I know Farley's a great player. They need cornerback depth and think a, a lockdown cornerback is more important than a great inside linebacker. But man, they, I've been saying this, and you've been saying this for four seasons now. They have to have that. Today's NFL dictates you have to have a guy cover all three down, sideline to sideline. They cannot get by with two down thumpers anymore, like A.J. Johnson, the Jewels. God, I don't know. I would think long and hard about taking Micah Parsons. That's the missing piece of this defense, Chad. 
I mean, you could pick up a cornerback later in the draft. You have some young talent, but you put a dynamic inside linebacker with Shelby Harris and Purcell, with Chubb and Vaughn, and that back end with Simmons, that is the missing link to what could be an all-time defense. I don't know. I like Parsons a lot. I do too, and that's just the type of scenario where you'd have to check with me in the moment because a lot can change. I mean, my entire draft education on the 2021 class really is going to start in January. That's where I'm going to start really digging in and learning all the names and figuring out who fits best and watching some film and reading Eric Trickles and Nick Kendall's scouting reports and Carl Dummler and all those guys. Um, but at this stage, I don't know, man, that'd be tough. I probably erred in this one case. If you really had a, a choice between the two and you're the Broncos, I probably had have taken Parsons. But one thing to consider is that Justin Sternon was drafted to be that athletic playmaker, twitchy guy, help you out in coverage. And he was a guy for what it's worth, even though he ended up dropping to the fifth round, the Broncos, you know, they got, it was another draft steal. Him and Muti were draft steals because of injury concerns. You take some of those injury concerns away. A lot of the draft picks I talked to, including the guys here at MHH and outside of MHH viewed Sternod as kind of a late day two, maybe early day three, but more of a mid to late day two caliber linebacker. I like Sternad a lot, but he's not uh, Michael Parsons. It's just the talent level is not comparable. And it's the same reason I loved Isaiah Simmons in this year's draft class. I I, I imagine him playing in a Denver defense, a Fangio defense. My mouth was watering. Again, you can't go wrong. Cornerback like Farley or an inside linebacker like Parsons, but I've been waiting for that position to blossom in Denver for four seasons now to put Parsons on this defense would just be magical. All right, let me see what else we got here, John, by way of the mailbag. Dave Vega jumping in again. I'm curious, is it Vega or Vega? It's probably Vega, right? Like Vincent, or is it Vincent Vega? What was his name in Pulp Fiction, the Travolta character? Vincent Vega. Vega, Vega yeah. Anyway, cool name, by the way, Vega. That I think that's a cool name, dude. He says, if Fangio, and by the way, Dave's one of the guys that reached out to us on Twitter yesterday. It was fun to connect with you, my friend. He says, if Fangio can confound Mahomes, great you, uh, great word usage there, Dave, he can confuse Allen. Then it falls on Shermer. Uh, it falls on the offense. Shermer needs another great game. Same with Drew. Hashtag future MHH Mount Rushmore. Love that, my friend. Yeah, you're, you're, work, you're, you're working your way uh, one brick at a time, building that wall. You're going to get there, my <laughs> friend. But, Zach, what are your thoughts here? Well, yes, as we all say every week, Vic Fangio's defense can keep the Broncos in every game. And uh, it's not assuming, though, you're going to hold Allen out of the end zone. It's a very potent offense, and I'm worried, Chad. If the Broncos' secondary was at full strength, I'd have a little more confidence. But having Nate Hairston back there against Stephon Diggs and Will Parks against you know Cole Beasley and John Brown, it's pretty scary to think about. I don't think it's going to be an explosion on Buffalo's part by any means. They can hold them to 25, 26 points, but as always, it falls on the Broncos' offense. It falls on them doing enough to match their defensive effort or match their opponent's offensive effort. And again, we always say, is it good Drew or bad Drew? Is it Vegas Drew or is it Carolina Drew? The latter can keep the Broncos in this game, but I agree with you. It falls on the coaching. It falls on the game planning. Schirmer has to get locked in the same zone he got him in last week. If they do that... They have a chance. I joined a Buffalo Bills podcast last night after our stream, Cover One, their their Bills pod, and they were those hosts were actually quite concerned about what kitchen sink Fangio might have in uh, in his pocket to throw at Allen this week. Because I mean that's a great point. Confounding Patrick Mahomes the first time around, it was zero for eight on third down, very pedestrian numbers. 
and that was in Denver. And then in at the one in uh, KC, wasn't it all that much better? And the Broncos managed to you know get to him a few times, and he just wasn't the same prolific Patrick Mahomes that we've seen in times past. So then again, you look at all the young quarterbacks Fangio's gone up against. Really, it's been the the veteran guys that have gotten his goat this year. Anyway, I mean, I'm thinking Matt Ryan. Um, you know, you got to throw out the New Orleans game, but so far this year, Vic Fangio has had each young quarterback that the Broncos have faced their number dead to rights. Uh, to your point, Brady as well. And it does seem like they struggle against the veteran types. Uh, and it, Fangio has such a great track record against rookie quarterbacks, but Allen's not a rookie. And, and something that he d- does well and Holmes doesn't do that well is run. He's a lethal runner with the football. He's fast. He can break tackles. The Broncos, as good as Fangio's scheme is, as good as the players are, they have to play close to a perfect game to hold or limit this Buffalo offense. By the way, Zeus McPeak jumping in. Love you, my friend. MHH Mount Rushmore. Superstar, hope you. Sounds like your travels were safe, and we hope you end up. If you're not home yet, that you get home safely, my friend. Much love to you, my. I mean, this dude is just every single every single stream. We love you, my friend. You know, the, the common denominator, Zach, with regard to the whole issue of veteran quarterbacks faring better against Fangio, is it's really the fact that Fangio throws a lot of zone into his in, into his coverage schemes, and uh, zone coverage forces the quarterback, whether young or old, to have to read the defense, throw with anticipation, find the soft spot. And young quarterbacks, you know, in their learning curve and their processing speed and all that, it's a much harder prospect for them. They end up holding on to the ball a little bit longer. The rush gets there. They make not as good deci- as, you know, snappy decisions. And so guys like, like Tom Brady – I mean, even guys like Matt Ryan, they've seen everything that an NFL defense can throw at them 10 times over. And so they're able to navigate that. Doesn't mean that, you know, they're impervious to Fangio's strategies. I'm just saying that it allows them. That's the biggest reason, Zach, why these veterans seem to fare better against Fangio than what we've seen with the young guys. Yeah, they just have been around the game longer. They've seen, they might have seen Fangio's look either with the Broncos or another team that he coached on. They just, it's all comes with experience. And, and to use your expression, Chad, time on task with any quarterback. Uh, the thing with th- this particular game, it's not going to be one on defense for Denver or lost. It's going to be one or lost on offense. And I agree with the previous question. Yeah, Albert, keep us in the loop on uh, how the Chargers-Raiders game is going. I saw Derek Carr got hurt. What's going on with that? I saw mm-hmm. ACL and I saw groin. Someone uh, fill us in. Yikes. Uh, Julio on Facebook says, Destroyer is a guy that just outkicked a kicker. That is, or was, the number one kicker in the nation. Is it Destroying, the guy from YouTube? I've seen him on Twitter. I don't know if that's the same guy. Okay. I think it is. Lawrence Rivera saying the YouTube kicker. Got you. Yeah, but who knows, man? (laughs) (laughs) Still two weeks left of 2020. You never know. If uh, Russellino is getting the, the job here because Pat McAfee discovered him in the XFL and put in a good word, I mean, who knows? Stranger things have happened. Kenneth Booker jumping in. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you. Bonafide superstar officially. And it's been a while now. Worked his way up onto MHH Mount Rushmore. But he says, we can't trade back. Or we can trade back, excuse me, and get Sean Wade if Caleb Farley is gone. Yeah. And Sean Wade, you know, We'll see uh, what his stock ends up looking like when it's all said and done. But he's def- definitely going to be an option, I think, for the Broncos in that mid to late round one, maybe yeah, mid to late round one. 
I'm going to echo you. Ask me when the Broncos are on the clock because this question depends on who's still left on the board. I'm not going to trade back for the sake of trading back. If there's another position that I want, I'm going to go with that guy and hold my ground. All right, John. Uh, let me see here. My side has done a massive jump. You had Jason Christopher. Do you still have him up? And Eddie also. Um, Lawrence is saying Donald De, De La Haye. Donald De La Haye. I don't know who that is. That is. is that the kicker's real name? Yeah, I think. Maybe. Uh, John, do you have Eddie or Jason Christopher? There he is. Eddie Vasquez. Good to see you, my friend. One of our superstars, longtime listener of this podcast. Uh, TP or <laughs> Shelby. One has to go, one to stay. Tim Patrick or Shelby, who are you keeping? That's a depressing question, Chad. I love both these players, you know, and I, I look at a lot like Tim Patrick is the offensive version of Shelby Harris, unheralded guys and very underrated. But, you know, think about it this way. The Broncos have a, a enormous amount of depth at wide receiver. They invested a first and second round pick. You have Cortland Sutton coming back. Uh, next season, who do you have along the defensive line? You have Purcell, uh, and you have some players that you're grooming, Draymond Jones, but Shelby Harris is that starter. He's a starting player. Tim Patrick's not a starting player. You always keep the starting guy over the backup guy. Ideally, you keep both, but hashtag pay Shelby. I'm not deviating from that. Yeah, I mean, at this stage, simply because the, of the Broncos' options and depth at, wide, uh, at the wide receiver position, that's a no-brainer that you would have to take Shelby – but I don't think the Broncos are going to be forced to choose between those two right. because, you know, you, you roll out the uh, checkbook and just pay Shelby what it's going to take to keep him here. But for Timmy P, you know, it's three million bucks on, on an RFA tender. And, you know, that's great value for a number one level wide receiver. As I said last night, he's not quite on the same level, you know, as the dynamic game changer that Cortland Sutton is. But he's definitely I mean, just look at the stats. He's proven to be a number one receiver in the league. Entering week 15 of this season, Timmy P leads the Broncos, number one in receiving yards. Tra- I mean, Judy's right there with him. It's only like a five-yard gap, but nevertheless, he's, he's a number one guy. It, real quick, though, I, I just want to make this. I have said this exact point. I can't tell you how many times, Brian. I was saying a backup with the Broncos. He, he, he would be with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and K.J. Hamler. He wouldn't be a starter, whereas Shelby Harris is a starter regardless next season. I love both, and I'm with Chad. You can tender Patrick and pay Shelby Harris. doesn't have to be one or the other, but held a gun in my head. I'm taking the starting guy over what would be a backup guy with the Broncos. All right, I want to grab this one here. Uh, real quick from Steve, we'll get a couple other super chats are waiting, but I want to uh, spread the love out here since we have about 15 minutes left. Steve Hale's point here on Philip Lindsay, he says, Lindsay's durability in question, though I really like him. I didn't understand the Gordon signing till now. I don't think Lindsay will get paid with the injuries this year. So no one's going to be, that, that's not even really an issue this year. He's a restricted free agent. So what that means is, uh, the the opportunities for him to negotiate with outside teams, it's not like being an unrestricted free agent. He's restricted to the Broncos. Now, the Broncos have the prerogative. Do they want to tender him and keep him here? Okay, let, let's assume they do, and I think they do. There's really no question that they do, especially as an RFA tender. It's going to be a raise on top of what he's earned these last three years, but you know, three million bucks or whatever it might be on a on a second round RFA tender for Philip Lin, a, a, a back of Philip Lindsay's skill set is still a bargain, then they can maybe decide. Like if Philip Lindsay's saying, you know, 
anything to the effect of I want out of Denver or seeking a trade can give me permission to seek a trade. If something like that were to happen, then we'll, we'll see. But I really doubt it. that's not really his character. Well, maybe Lindsey wouldn't have got concussed and maybe Lindsey wouldn't have hurt his knee if the Broncos didn't run him to the into the teeth of every defense they face. If they used him as he should have been used along the edge and likely used to the outside, he would have been potentially healthier. I don't think he's injury prone and I'm not holding that against him. Used correctly and healthy, he is a dynamic game-changing player who can do things that Melvin Gordon just can't. Gordon I'll give him credit. He's been an asset to this offense. I wouldn't say he's earned that eight million bucks this season, but he's been a big asset, a big boon for Locke, for the rest of the Denver offense. But Philip Lindsay can just do special things that Gordon can't do when he's healthy and used correctly. Yeah, this has been very a very inconvenient season for Lindsay by way of the the narrative that Zach and I were arguing to open this season that the whole notion of him being injury prone or susceptible to injury that's kind of been thrown on its ear because. You know, he's had a few different injuries this year. He's had the, he's had three, right? He's had the turf toe, the concussion, and now the knee. And so now it does become a much more significant factor in the rationale in terms of how do you pay him? Do you pay him? Do you let him go? And the point I'm trying to, I want to leave with everybody on this topic. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers. Steve, is that that's not really a decision the Broncos have to face until 2022 because they can still get them on the relative cheap as an RFA. Uh, real quick here, Zach, let's grab this one from Josh on Facebook, wants to know the status of the injured players uh, this week. Here's the final injury report for your Denver Broncos. Melvin Gordon, limited, but he's, he's questionable with a shoulder. Graham Glasgow is officially questionable. If he can't go, I don't think Zach or myself are going to be shedding too many tears <laughs> no. to see Natani Muti again. No. Uh, Philip Lindsay also listed as questionable. Trey Marshall has improved over the last couple of weeks from just being out, doubtful, now questionable. Be interesting to see if they can get Trey back because this shin injury of his has just been lingering. And, you know, with all the DBs going down at, as far as the corners and the, uh, the uh, suspension to AJ Bouye, you want it, you're, you're going to have to rely on some of the other just DBs that you have on the depth chart. And Trey Marshall, he's more of a strong safety type, but, you know, they could use that depth. So that's that's what it's looking like, guys, is four questionable players. And then if we scroll down and look at the Bills, Jaquan Johnson, the safety, listed as out, Zach, and then the tight end, Lee Smith, as questionable. Otherwise, they're, uh, they're pretty, pretty healthy. Pretty healthy. 
Yeah, DeMar Dotson, I see, has a hand injury. I guess maybe that's why he was replaced by Elijah Wilkinson. But I think uh, Melvin Gordon plays. I think uh, Philip Lindsay plays. And uh, I don't know about Glasgow. Uh, it'd be a, a benefit if he didn't play. It'd be addition by subtraction. I want to see more of Muti. Uh, other than that, though, it's pretty uh, – you asked about the kicker, I think, the question. That's Taylor Russolino this week for Brandon McManus. Yes. Um, all right, John, do you have uh, Jason? Again, we've, we've had to – all right, there he is. Jason Christopher jumping in. Really appreciate you, my friend. And by the way, if you're on Twitter, make sure you reach out and connect with us, Jason, so that we can shout you out after tonight's show. If you're not on Twitter, create a Twitter account. Follow us. It's we'll, we'll follow back, and it's another way to keep the keep the convo going. He says, "Congrats to Drew Lock for winning FedEx Air Player of the Week." Hashtag <laughs> let him hate, baby. Love it. Yeah, really cool that he won that award. And it, I actually forgot when I got the press release that uh, Trevor Simeon is actually the last Bronco quarterback to win that award. He did get it, and it wasn't in uh. 2016. It was in 2017, and I'm trying to rack my brain. I didn't research it, but now that I'm sitting here on the spot, I'm trying to remember what game in 2017. Cincinnati, you know? Well, wasn't that 16, though? I was going to say Dallas, but that was 2016 as well. Wasn't that week two? I'm going to do some quick research, John. Throw throw up uh, Dennis, and then I'll do some quick research if you have him. Uh, Dennis Woods, love you, bro. Dad hat extraordinaire rocking it for us up there in Michigan. One of our superstars. He says back to Vaughn. Should he play this year? My opinion, if we do get to the playoffs, then yes. If we don't, it's too much of a risk for little to no upside thoughts. Zach, you start on this one and then I'll, I'll piggyback in on the end. No, he shouldn't. And it was never, I think, much of a question. If the Broncos were relevant right now, if they were where the Bills are or even the Dolphins in contention, yeah, it brings it makes sense to bring Vaughn back and let him be a little bit of Vaughn what he would have been this season. But why would you risk that um, asset? Why would you risk the long-term sustainability and the effectiveness of your most prized asset in Vaughn Miller? Let him stay healthy or get healthy. Let him recover and turn his attention to 2021 probably or maybe his last season in Denver, fully healthy for that. It makes no sense to bring him back for now, Chad. For what? To make himself feel good, to, to get some sacks or uh, for a stat celebration? You want him to be healthy for next season. It's the number one objective for Vaughn. So I just found two articles on the Trevor Simeon thing. I'm, I'm going to get to Vaughn. Um, both looks like of it was the from, Cowboys game. Both of them from our former employer, CBS Sports, but both links are dead. So I'm guessing, Zach, that those were articles we covered. I'm crying right now. They're just dead links now. But I'm looking here on Wikipedia. Bear with me one second. Because now I think it was wrong that what I read about 2017 – oh, that's 2016. Hold on. 2017. Bear with me one second here. Cowboys game. That's got to be it. Let me see here. Oh, here we go. Positive memory. You're right. Shut (laughs) down Dallas offense. Simeon went 22 of 32. 231 and a career high tying four touchdowns with one pick as the Broncos blew out the Cowboys 42 17 for his performance. Simeon was voted uh, NFL's clutch performer of the week and FedEx air player of the week. What made that the numbers on their, on their face aren't that great Zach, but what made that what got him over the hump was that was a Cowboys team that had come off the divisional round with Dak the previous year. They were expected to be a juggernaut and that was the game in which they ended up, kind of being recast, reset as one of these underachievers in 2017. They ended up being a sub-500 club that year, 
And a lot of people think it's because the Broncos just jacked him in the mouth in week two. They also had Zeke Elliott, and I think he was the uh, rushing champ of 2016 or offensive rookie of the year. He won some major award, and they held him to like, what was it, seven yards on five carries, something like that. They, they shut him down. They shut Dak down. For my money, that was one of the best Broncos games I have covered, Chad. And I don't think we've seen anything like that since, considering the level of opponent and the level of domination. I still remember, though, Akib's pick six. That's it what was I was going to say. The icing on top of that game. Yep, that's what I was going to say. Uh, Chris Hernandez, 24-year veteran of the Air Force, MHH Mount Rushmore. I mean, look at this beautiful man's YouTube profile pick, rocking the Huddle Up mug, rocking the Smouse in the House designed, let him hate tea. We love you, Chris. Appreciate you, my friend. Letting everybody know, reminding everybody, click those little thumbs up. Appreciate you, my friend. So good to see you, and uh, we really do appreciate you. All right, let me see what else we got here by way of questions. We got Muhammad with a there super. There MHH male model. It's all good. Better late than never, my friend. He says, oops, I'm late. We're just glad to have you, my friend. Good to see you. All right, we're at 53 minutes. We got to close this down here in just a few more when we get to the one-hour mark. But I want to see if there's any questions that we might have missed here, any key topics that uh, need to be addressed. Bear with me one second here, gang. While I'm kind of sifting through that, Zach, one of the other issues that Fangio covered on uh, on Thursday. Um, let me find this. Is uh, one of the things that's really got me concerned about Week 15, and that is Cole Beasley, the slot receiver for the Bills, who is well on his way to a thousand yard uh, season this year. I just want to read to you real quick. In fact, before we dip on out, I want to do some quick head to head comparisons. But he said, "Quote: This is Fangio on Beasley. Quote: He's really quick. He's really savvy." He's experienced in there playing the slot. He's played there his entire career, knows how to run routes, knows how to get open. Really savvy guy with Stephon Diggs on the outside and Brown, John Brown and uh, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie on the outside. Makes it tough because you have to pay attention to some of those guys too to give the need uh, the needed help. Sometimes to the slot can be hard. So we're just going to have to mix it up. But he's a savvy veteran, quick, really good route runner, close quote. And in that same presser today, Zach, we learned that it's going to be Will Parks playing the nickel. They have a lot of weapons. Uh, Gabriel Davis has been a a really good rookie player this year, kind of came out of nowhere. Isaiah McKenzie is like their jack-of-all-trades. They move him around. He's he's rushes. He he catches passes. He throws. Uh, It's going to be tough, and that's why I'm saying this game isn't one on defense because Buffalo's going to get theirs, and I think Denver will do enough to instill their willpower, but – can Locke and Shermer keep up with what Allen does on offense? That is the key to victory for this game. All right, John, before we get out of here, I want to go through some of these head-to-heads. So I'm going to be off screen here looking at this. Um, any, If any questions, key questions come in or super chat, let me know. We'll grab them at the end. But I just want to go through this real quick. Refresher course, gang. Red means bottom 10 ranking. Green means top 10. And if it's black, that means they're somewhere in the middle. Okay. The head-to-head Broncos five and eight, Bills ten and three. Turnover margin Broncos are still worst in the league because last week they entered uh, as worst in the league and they ended up going minus one despite winning. It's one of those rare instances in which a team, you know, the Broncos win even though they lost the turnover differential. So they're still worst in the league, Zach. And, and no takeaways last week as well. That doesn't help. Meanwhile, the Bills are a plus two, and they're one of the top teams in controlling the ball with that time okay. of possession. There's just a well-balanced, well-oiled, well-coached offensive operation, Chad. They don't give the ball away, and they hold on to it for you know the majority of the game. 
So still the Broncos, I mean, even with one really explosive game offensively, still doldrums in terms of the NFL rankings, bottom third, sometimes bottom two or three teams, most of the offensive st- uh, categories here. But let's look at the Bills. Top 10 in net yards, uh, top uh, top 10 in points per game, averaging nearly 28. Lower third, bottom third, though, Zach, as a rushing offense, which surprises me. Um Net passing as a passing offense, top three. And Allen has only turned it over as as far as interceptions nine times, which is eighth fewest in the league. And then coming back down here to the key slot, uh, stats here, sacks allowed, they tw- have only allowed 25, same as the Broncos. They're tied with the Broncos for 11th fewest sacks. Third down, though, they are top three. They're converting almost 50% of those third down tries, and they're about middle of the pack in terms of red zone. I wish I had a teleprompter right now, but the game is going to be won if you scroll up to net passing. That That is, if you look at the, the dichotomy there between 27th and 3rd overall, that's what I'm talking about. Allen is going to get his. The, the Bills are going to score in this game, even with Fangio's defensive prowess. It's up to Locke and Shermer and Gordon and Lindsey and everyone on the Broncos offense to match that total and keep the Broncos afloat. This is simply a game where the Broncos have to get takeaways. If they don't take the ball away from the Bills, whether it's interceptions, fumbles, I don't care. They're going to have a hard time winning this one. Even if Locke and the offense plays a perfect game with regard to giveaways, they got to get takeaways this week. Let's look at the defense. The, this is not. This is a good illustration to kind of show you this is not that vaunted Bills defense of yore. The last couple of years, they were one of the most feared defenses in the league. And even though a lot of those same faces are still there, it just hasn't quite come together for them in the same way as it, as it did the last couple seasons. As you can see here, the Bills' defense, you know, they're middle of the pack to bottom third in most categories. But then you get to these three in the middle here, Zach. Interceptions, they're top 10. Fumble recoveries, top five. Takeaways overall, top four. Yeah. Why is that? If they're so lackluster in all these other areas and yet they're in the top as, take you know, being opportunistic, predatory uh taking the ball away. Why is that? My answer, Zach, is that Josh Allen, it's similar to the the what you saw from the Broncos defense all those years Peyton Manning was here. Right. When you get up a score or two on opponents, Game a couple flow. of scores, teams have to get desperate. They start throwing. They play a little bit faster and looser with the ball, and it plays right into the hands of what is still, Zach, a very talented defense. Exactly. It's all game flow. I mean, if you go up, if Allen goes up 21 points, you're not going to run the ball. You're going to pass. And the more passing opportunities is the more opportunity to take it away. So that's why they got to score an offense and kind of match blow for blow with Buffalo. Sacks, though, the Broncos are still top 10. They are seventh in the league without Vaughn. This just blows my mind. 36 sacks. Meanwhile, the Bills are middle of the pack with 31 Third down, it's a middle-of-the-pack Bills defense and in the red zone. But look at the Broncos, barely out of the top 10 as a third-down defense. And this has really come on, I would say, the last quarter of the season, that third-down number has really improved for the Broncos' defense. But the the crowning achievement here, once again, as great as the whole sack thing is, the crowning achievement and what's allowed the Broncos to keep so many of these games competitive as Drew's, you know, throwing picks and the offense is failing to launch, is the fact that Fangio's defense bends uh, between the the 20s, but getting inside the 20, they just rarely break. They are still number one 
as the red zone defense in the league, allowing less than 50% conversions. And Zach, it was interesting. Fangio was asked about that this week, and I'm not going to pull up the quote because we don't have a lot of time. But basically what he said is the reason why we're number one, there's a lot of reasons, but we emphasize it. We spend a lot more time practicing it, focusing on it uh, in terms of preparation and practice and in the film room and in the meetings than probably a lot of other teams do. And this is how it comes out in the wash. Go up for a second, though. What is the uh, the red zone percentage for the uh, for the Broncos? For, oh, for the Broncos' offense. I'm just comparing like the Broncos' red zone defense to the Bills' red zone offense. I think they're 18th, so that could be a, an area where the Broncos can hold their ground against Buffalo. Maybe keep some touchdowns off the board, and it can limit Allen holding them to field goals. That could be the matchup to watch in the inside exactly. the 20s. Yep, Bills have the 18th ranked red zone offense going up against the number one red zone defense. So there, those are some head to head comparisons. I mean, we can look at special teams. Uh, the bills are actually very well disciplined. They execute in the third phase. That's what the good teams do, man. Broncos yeah. have a couple of key areas on specials where they're, they've done well, including field goal percentage and punt return average. Thanks to uh, Deontay Spencer, but that's your head to head look at this opponent. It's not going to be an easy matchup for the Broncos. The Mile High Roundtable, the predictions and whatnot, that's going to be coming out tonight at some point. Worst case scenario, first thing tomorrow morning, you'll see our official predictions. But in the meantime, Zach, should we give them a preview? Do you want to go on record for what you expect to see happening in uh, on Saturday? As always, I'll keep you in suspense, guys. What about you, Chad? Look, I'll, I'll, since I went on record with the Bills guys, I'll just let it out there because I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, check that podcast out because they tag me on Twitter and stuff. I'll tell you this: I think this is going to be a hard-fought game. That's going to and the Broncos are going to take it all the way down to the wire. And I think Drew Locke is going to play better than he has. Um, you know, I shouldn't say better than he has. He's going to follow the same trajectory that he's been on these past three starts and and play pretty solid football. Now I'm not expecting an offensive, you know, powerhouse performance from drew like we saw in Carolina, but I think you're going to see him be, you know, something like uh, two touchdowns, one pick. I think he'll, he'll get picked off one time, but they're going to be good enough to take it all the way down to the wire. And I just think that the bills being still so much at relative full strength, I think that's going to make the difference in the end. And I'm going to, I'm picking something like, 23-20 Bills. That's my official pick. That's not what I want to see happen, That, but that's just kind of what my gut is telling me for Saturday. It will not be a blowout. I will say that right now. The Broncos rarely do get trounced, and uh, they can be good enough to limit that Buffalo offense. And again, if we get the same good Drew that we saw last week and the same good Shermer, you never know. It's going to be a lower scoring game, but this is not going to be a, a resounding Buffalo win by any means. Uh, George, it was cover one. So this is another reason why you want to follow us. And as we close it out here, here's a, here's your reminder, follow <clears throat> mile high huddle on Twitter at mile high huddle, because we retweeted that when they tagged us and you can find the, the uh, podcast there, but guys, that's going to do it for tonight's mile high mailbag. Thanks to each and every one of you for joining us, spending some time with us and a mile high salute to our super chat superstars. Those of you on Facebook who've been watching tonight that gave us stars we love you. We appreciate you. And our Facebook supporters, again, at Mile High Huddle on Twitter. That's where we can keep the conversation going. Also, the podcast on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod. My partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. And then our producer, John, at John K, MHH, a.k.a., of course, Buona Beast. Zach and I are off tomorrow night. You'll get Dove Valley Deep Divers with Lance and Eric. 
But then we're going to be in the saddle Saturday since it's game day. We'll have the rapid reaction halftime stream as we always do. And then the gut reaction immediately following the game on Saturday. But one additional wrinkle to this week's programming is that you're still going to get Mile High Insiders with Nick and Luke, but that's going to go live exactly one hour before kick on Saturday. So somewhere around, let me look at this. I think the official kick for uh, Sunday, uh, Saturday's game, it's at 2.30. So that, that's going to go live probably right before 1.30. So let's just say 1.30. So stay tuned for that. going to be a huge day of podcasting for uh, Mile High Huddle on Saturday. And then Zach and I will be back Sunday and Monday. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We can't wait yeah. to see you guys there. Uh, also check out the merch store, guys. HuddleUpPod.com. Get your swag on. Appreciate you. Zach, have a great start to your weekend, my friend. Of course, we'll circle back on Saturday and uh, see how, how this game shakes out. Hopefully, we have a positive approach by the time we get on next chat. Hopefully, we have good news to deliver and not disappointing news. All right, guys. For Zach, I'm Chad. We will see you Saturday, but don't forget to hang out with Lance and Eric tomorrow night, Dove Valley Deep Divers. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Ain't no place like a cowboy place, ain't no time like a cowboy time. Ain't no way like the cowboy way, have a cowboy kind of day, yeah. Try the new Big Sky Burger at Roy Rogers. It's Smithfield pulled pork, beer battered onion rings, American cheese, and spicy barbecue sauce on a Kaiser bun. Have a cowboy kind of day at Roy's in the way you're going wrong. Hey, yeah. DoorDash and Uber Eats available at participating restaurants. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more.